In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure, cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. Man, I can shoot the ball. I know I can shoot the ball. I'm not worried about what anybody says. Like, I'm a dog on the court. That's how I play. They play fast. They have three-point shooting. They're young. They're versatile. And that's how I want to play. That's how I think the game should be played. You know, this team is on the rise. The city's on the rise. You know, that's, that's exciting. You know, I'm getting chills talking about it. You are listening to Throne Room Breakdown with Jason Jones and Kenny Carraway, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's good, Kings fans out there? This is Jason Jones. And this is Kenny Carraway. Jason, I mean, I, I'm not even trying to dismiss what's going on in the world. We, we all know what's going on there, but the Kings world is wild right now. Kings world is crazy right now. Yeah. I mean, and we ain't even talking about the whole possibility of being in the pool to get into the playoffs. That's we like the last there. thing we're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> the Kings world is crazy. The man. Kings have a chance to possibly get to the postseason, and we're not talking about that to start the show. So you know it's been wild out there. It's like what I've been used to with the Kings teams I've covered. Like It's always like one, two, one, two, three. Oh, yeah, by the way, there's games. Right. But there's no game to distract us, so... As one of my boys said last night, oh, yeah, you got time, and I got time today. Oh, got time, man. Come on, man. Give it, give it, give the people what they want. Give the people what they need Let's right jump now. right into it. Mr. <laughs> Grant Napier, Mr. If You Don't Like That, You Don't Like Kings Basketball, Oof. who became Mr. Once Again, <laughs> uh, Mr. All Lives Matter, Mr. Tone Deaf. I mean, just a lack of – I can't even explain it, you know, and – in case you all missed it, uh, Sunday evening, our good friend, everyone's good friend, DeMarcus Cousins. Shout out to Cuz. Uh, sent a tweet where he mentions Grant Napier. He says, you know, basically says, Grant, what's your take on Black Lives Matter? And let me preface it by saying this. This is the, the time our country is in right now. If you don't have anything to say in support of black people and the struggle of black people when it comes to police brutality, just don't say anything. Period. Just don't say anything. And being that Grant has always had a healthy obsession of hatred with DeMarcus Cousins, he couldn't resist. So he jumped in there with the sarcastic, hey, buddy, how you doing? All caps. All lives matter. It's been explained for at least, I don't know how many years at this point. It's been explained why the reply all lives matter is offensive, disrespectful. It's been explained. And for the King's organization... To be working with Black Lives Matter, with a lot of their the work they're doing in the community, and for Grant Napier to say he had no idea what he said was going to be offensive, come on, son, really, come on, J- Jason, come on. The, the, the organization is a humanitarian yeah. war. Like, where, where, have you, yeah. where have you been at? They've done joint projects with the Milwaukee Bucks. Don't they hold something every year? During... Uh, the last couple of years, I just wrote about it a couple of weeks or two ago. Stand up for change form. Yeah. They had it in Milwaukee this year. I attended. I attended the one last year in Sacramento. To me, there's no excuse around that. And that it gets better after that reply. You know, you got you got you know, Matt Barnes coming in off the top rope. But like, <laughs> what do you expect from a cl- call him a cl- from a closet racist? Oof. And then Oof. and then when you thought it was over, Chris Weber climbed to the top of the steel cage. <laughs> He went. He almost he went, went super Shane McMahon on him. Yeah, he. Yeah. Shane Chris O'Mac. was like, Webb said, you know, Lord, let me get, hold up. I got one too. I got one too, and I'm going. I'm going to read it, Demarcus. We know, and have known who Grant is, 
The team knows as well. I've told them many times. They've seen it. They know who he is. Followed by two clown emojis. Oof. Oof. That's even more damaging because for better or for worse, Chris don't really say nothing about Sacramento, really. You know what I'm saying? And for him, like you said, to come off the top of the uh, of the elimination chamber, you know what I mean, and chime mm-hmm. in in this, oof. For him to be the undertaker and to use Grant as Mick Foley. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah. And that's the bigger problem the team has. You know, KHCK, they, they put him on a, a, a administrative leave. And then the Kings issued a statement Monday evening saying, Grant's recent Twitter comments do not reflect our organization's views and values. We are reviewing the matter further with our broadcast partners, NBC Sports California and Sports 1140 KHDK. Again, like I said, this is, a, this is an organization that's using the idea of fighting for the rights of black people, brown people, and social justice as part of its core values. And you've got someone who, whenever you go on the air, that's the first face you see. That's the first voice you hear. It doesn't appear, you know, I'll I'll play the devil's advocate maybe. No, actually, I'm not the hell with that shit. No, (laughs) he doesn't fit in. He doesn't fit in with their values in that. That's the case. He doesn't fit in. He's the exact opposite, Jason. He is the exact opposite of what they're trying to do in the city of Sacramento. People would say whatever they want about the, the basketball team and the organization, basketball ops and all that other stuff, and they will. But in the streets, in the communities, the Sacramento Kings under Vivek Ranadive have been A1. And Grant has almost been the antithesis of that on his radio show and just not even mentioning what the Kings are doing in the community. I'm I'm stunned that he has always taken that approach with his employee. Kind of like Colin Kaepernick, you know, that wasn't going to be a part of his show. And I haven't listened to the show regularly. I mean, and I'm a big Doug Christie fan. I take my Doug Christie interaction at games because I can't stand listening to this, his drive time show with Grant talking over him. And then you just, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I guess, it's, you know, I guess it's, you know, screw Grant Day and here out of, you know, wasn't, that wasn't the plan, but it is what it is. You got to tell the truth. This is a guy that, never mind the players who tweeted about him. If I showed y'all my phone with all the people who have hit me up saying it's about time, there's people saying they're never going on his show again. They're saying they'll mm. never go on his, you know, but they won't do it again. And there's players who I've known for years who have long left the Kings have all said one thing they did not like was the way Grant Napier talked about them when they were gone. Mm. They've made wow. they've made that you know, and so this this is this it's kind of been the thing that the Kings have had over their heads, so to speak, for years. You know, and and, th- and think about this as well. Grant has long touted his friendship with Vlade Divac mm. forever. That's his friend, you know, Vlade's his buddy. We get all that. If you're Vlade, especially in 2020, do you want this guy telling people you're his friend? Come on, man. Do you come want on. that? Do you do you want a free agent who has a bit of uh, self-awareness to come around and be like, hold up, so you be hanging out with old boy? <laughs> you know, you cool, you, cool with old, you cool with that dude? You know, the right. same dude who went on the air. And like I said, this is before we even get to this point went on the air and said he did not understand how Donald Sterling was a racist or why he should be called a racist because of something he said and my god you've been around the, if you've been around the league anytime it's in it's you can't deny what a low life Donald Sterling has been in his life rather you go back to the housing discrimination suits how he's treated the players, the stories like, you know, like Baron Davis and those guys telling you the stories on the record of him essentially walking in the locker room to admire the quote unquote black bodies. You know, this is the, even recently the story about he didn't want Doc Rivers to sign J.J. Reddick because he didn't want white players. <laughs> this guy, you know, this guy, Donald Sterling, and, and that and that's who. I don't want to put words in his mouth. I wasn't going to say that's who he hitched his wagon to, but I'm not saying he supported Donald Sterling, but the writings were on the wall for everything else that Sterling represented. And he, he comes on his show and talks about, I, I, we're not sure. We're not, okay. All right. All right, Gary. My thing is okay. for you to go on the air and say you don't understand how he can be a racist because he hired Doc Rivers and Elgin Baylor. Duh. Slave masters had help. They were slaves. Come on. Facts. I mean, 
you know, because he let Elgin Baylor be among the lowest paid GMs in the league and provided him with no resources, had his team practicing at elementary schools. Oh, that meant Jesus. he wasn't racist. I mean, my God, I, I'm just like, come on. And I was done at that point. When you're going to defend that and say you don't understand, the man just basically, the man is on record on a recording telling a girl, you can do whatever you want, just don't hang out with black people. It embarrasses me. And you don't understand how he can be racist. <laughs> Come on, it's laughable. Like I'm chuckling here because it's laughable that that, that that's the conclusion you come to. <laughs> and you wonder why Webb said what he said, why Matt said, you know, because I know I, I get it. People are gonna say Cuz can't talk, Cuz is Cuz, whatever. I disagree with him, you know, because he, he even you know basically shit on Demarcus's uh, community work. He wasn't brought here to do community work. That's fine and Danny. That's not his job. I'm like, okay, yeah, and he and he draft he didn't draft, yeah, he passed on uh, Damian Little in the draft. That was his fault too, yeah. Okay, you know, I I think the Kings have a decision to make, and you know, do you really want to be have this guy attached to your team in June of 2020? All that's going on in the world that has gone on, do you really want to bring this guy out? And like, hey, here's our guy. I don't think you can. I know I, like, we talked off air, and I was like, "Do you, you think he makes it through this?" And you know, and I wasn't sure, but I mean, after you know, hearing more about it, and in, in the last fifteen, twenty minutes talking to you, I don't think there's any way you can bring him back. I don't think there's any. You got two guys. Boogie is still in the league. Then you got two guys that have a national platform. Matt Barnes has a, a very successful podcast, All the Smoke with Steven Jackson. Chris Webber's on TNT nightly and NBA TV. And you got these two guys coming out and basically saying the man is a racist. I don't know how he can be the guy that says, welcome to Sacramento, welcome to go. Like, how if you're the Kings, you have him there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and never I, mind I the phoniness he's been called out on before about how he, you know, spent months you know, pushing the Maloof agenda and mm. then cried mm. about the team move. You know, people have been on to him for a while. Sometimes, you know, and it, to me, it's just funny. As immature as he called DeMarcus, as many, as many insults he's thrown at DeMarcus's way, you mean to tell me the immature DeMarcus baited you that easily? Oh, hook, line, and but, sinker. But you know what? Hook, but you know line, what, though? When that's, how you, when, you, when that's how you think, it doesn't take much. <laughs> it does. Hey, we yeah. DeMarcus and everybody else knew he would be so thirsty to say something, to have a smart-ass comment back to DeMarcus Cousins, and he, he fell into the trap. He fell into the trap. As if he was and having I, a private Twitter conversation, and he wasn't. Right, right. Fell right into the trap. And, and, and You know. And, yeah, if you, like you said, if you're not smart. And then we didn't even talk about, I mean, this it's almost has nothing to do with the comment, but, I mean, the drive-by that he did on, on Mad Dog Russo. I mean, come on, man. Oh, Come on, man. you just gonna do a drive by? Yeah, back in the day, he dropped the in <laughs> he dropped the in bomb at my house. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! What you know? What did he do? And tagged him. Didn't even didn't even say my friend or you know Chris in regular writing. No, at Mad Dog Russo Radio said it caught the N word in my house. Really? That's how we're doing it, Grant? You just gonna you just gonna have a little drive by here out here like uh, dude? And boys you know in the what? Hood. And here's what the uh, cynical African American studies degree having journalist would say. If that's the case, and you claim your dad was a, a civil rights guy or whatever, why would your friend feel comfortable saying that word in your house? Come on now. Wasn't born yesterday. Come yeah. on now. He thought he could say it around you. Exactly. I know me. There's some words my friend, I would be like, you can't say that word around me. About certain, you know, whatever, you know, whether it be in regards to women or gays or Latin, whatever the case may be. I'm not going to let you use a derogatory term around someone. Even when back then, when I was a teenager, I knew on that that wasn't right. Even though we've learned as we've gotten older, things have changed. There's some words that we just don't use at all anymore. But this, like I said, this thing happened yesterday. And, to, and then to go to the Sacramento Bee and say, you're in pain. You thought you knew what it meant, but you, you, didn't, you didn't quite understand. Come on, it's been explained more than once why that's a thing. It's been explained, and now people use it, all lives matter, essentially as a taunt, like to basically say, shut up. Fam, you, know, you, were, and, you were at the epicenter. Like, how are you going to act? 
Bolivia, oblivious. I almost did a Mike oblivious, Tyson. Yeah. I got, I got, I got Mike Tyson confused right there when he said I'm a fade into Bolivian. But um, yeah, how are you gonna act oblivious to the meaning of of what you were saying? And, and come on, man, Stephon Clark, they shut down the arena two two years ago. You was right there. You know what I'm saying? People were trying to educate you on your airwaves, your callers, all this other stuff. Now you're gonna act like you don't know anything about it. Come on, man. NBC Sports also had a statement about Grant. It says, our company's values and honors and honors inclusion and equality. Racism, injustice, and violence run counter to everything we stand for and cannot be tolerated in our society. Grant Napier's recent comments on Twitter do not reflect the views of NBC Sports California. We've spoken to Grant's employer, the Sacramento Kings, about the matter. Done, done. Yeah, that's basically everyone saying, okay, who's going to deal with this guy? <laughs> That's exactly what they're saying. They all, didn't they all mention each other in their statements? Yeah. So it's like, they're like, okay. It's, it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the Michael Malone thing again. Like, who's going to fire him? <laughs> you know, and this, this is, like I said, I've met too many guys who have come through Sacramento and have left with a bad feeling about him. And like I said, I know Vlade. This is not, this is not Vlade's DNA. And Vlade can't, can't, continue to grow as an executive with a guy like this running around telling the world they're best buddies. You can't. I mean, I know I know personally Vlade has actively sought to, to make his front office more diverse. He's actively sought and pursued a diverse coaching staff. This is who Vlade is. And this is and but yet this guy wants to hitch himself to Vlade. If I'm Vlade, I'm offended. I don't know if there's any more else you want to add to that. I think I've, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to get into my own personal things where, you know, me and Grant have had our exchanges at times in the past. And, but yeah, when it, I will say this, though, when you attack someone professionally, credit their credibility, someone and so forth, and this happens, don't come to me to save you. Uh, I've got, I, I will not, I cannot be the vehicle for your apology and to translate your quote unquote pain over something you did. And you've done repeatedly. It'd be different if this was a one-off. Like, okay, maybe it was a slip. You, you defend. I mean, there's, there's been too many instances where guys have been like, dude, that was a questionable comment. So, as somebody that's been, uh, you know, on on the outside before I got into the media game. I mean, just listening to his show, like, it's it's weird, Jason, because you know, I, I feel like I study these things, you know, because this is the profession that I wanted to get in, and. I think Grant is great as a play-by-play -play announcer. He's like really good. And I think that his radio show is entertaining. Like when it's not when it's not on a bullshit, like it's entertaining. He's a pro. He knows what he's doing. There's like you said there's too many instances, man, when it's like I'm not really feeling what you said or did you really just kind of say that? Is that how? too many instances. You know what I'm saying where it's like I I I've, I've seen enough at this point you know what i'm saying I've, I've seen enough and like you said i can't i can't come up here and defend you you know what i'm saying it's simple as yeah that. it's at some point you can't rely on the i was ignorant thing when you have a history of you're basically antagonizing people with this kind of stuff he's been antagonizing people on this on this level for like a decade like a decade straight every day at three o'clock and i had like, i had and outside of anything racially charged i had one king's employee tell me the shtick is getting old. How many times can the quote-unquote voice of your team call people idiots on the drive home and then go announce games like it doesn't matter? That person's a point to me. He was basically saying at some point, the team's got to do something about that. This guy, you know, you're trying to cultivate this image, and the guy who you're calling, the who is the quote-unquote voice of the team, is calling callers idiots on a daily basis. Come so, on, yeah, I, I, I think I've said enough about, about Mr. Grant Napier. Uh, I think... Uh, the Kings will have a lot more than me to say about his future, but hey, like I said, like I said, it's funny. The the guy he spent years, seven plus years, and even after he was out of Sacramento, telling us how immature he was, what a horrible person he was. Guess who got you to fall? To, no, fall for it. Guess who did it? Guess who did it? That same immature bully. All of the you know all the things he called Demarcus, you could call him as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, oddly enough. So, yeah, as, yeah, as, a, I think, as a great meme once said, ha, got him. Ha! Mm -hmm. When the when the get what they say when the grass is cut, the snakes will show. <laughs> Got to thank the homie little Nash for that, though. 
We'll get back to the show, but first, a word from our sponsors. The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced while designing your own triangle offense down under. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. Play it safe with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. Let me take a 20-second time out here on the Throne Room Breakdown to uh, have a little bit of your time. Just a little bit of your time here. Now, I know most of our listeners are in and around the Sacramento area. Although we are big in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm telling you that right now. I don't have any data to back that up, but I'm pretty sure we're big in Albuquerque. I'm just I'm just saying. So shout out to them too. But like I said, most of our listeners, they're in and around the Sacramento area. And what better way to promote your business than through our show, through the Throne Room Breakdown? You know, we have great listeners. We have loyal listeners that are engaged just like yourself. And they always take the time to just listen to what me and Jason have to say. They trust us. They know they know we're thorough. They know we care. So I'm so I'm saying if you can get that throne room breakdown cosign, if you can get that rub from the throne room breakdown, I'm telling you, business is going to be booming and I'm not talking Antonio Brown. So to advertise on this very show, the throne room breakdown, just go to www.theathletic.com/podcastads. I said podcast ads. I don't need nobody coming after me saying I said something that I didn't say. Podcast ads. That's ADS. All right. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So once again, go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you free with two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. If you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com throne for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com throne for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. And now back to the show. That was a hell of a transition there, Jason, that I don't even know you stumbled upon because when you talk about grasses and snakes, the other thing we was going to talk about was uh, George Carl's been talking about Sacramento the last week or so. He did his podcast all on his tenure in Sacramento. And let me say this from the jump. I went into that not feeling George Carl, not liking him, and not having any sympathy for his time in Sacramento. But I also believe that George Carl is a truth teller. I don't think he lies at all. I believe every word he said of what happened in that in that podcast about his time here in Sacramento. I yeah, I thought it was really it. good. Yeah. It was really good. It was yeah. really good and podcast. I listened to the whole thing. I was taking notes and matching up my memory, my recollection with incidents. And he was on point. I mean, some of it's from his point of view, so it's a little different. I know he kind of laughed at the idea that DeMarcus was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Yeah, come you on know, But it was like a... But it was like, well, yeah, they hadn't won any games. That was, you know, but that wasn't his fault. And, you know, he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory before the injuries. But 
I mean, there's a few things to me that's, that that uh, jumped out about what he talked about. But he talked about the uh, situation how Vlade got hired. He had no idea what Vlade's job was. That was funny to me because I remember when that happened. I was on that trip. And I remember when Vlade met the team in San Antonio and talking to Vlade and everything. Literally, the players were asking me, what's Vlade's job? Like, why is he here? And it wasn't a disrespectful thing, but you got to understand, in that time with the Kings, there was so much misinformation, miscommunication going back and forth between players and coaches, front office and coaches, front office and players. No, you know, no one knew what to believe. No one knew why Vlade was there. Pete didn't know why he was there. Pete D'Alessandro, who was at the GM at the time, didn't know why Vlade was there. Just imagine that. Just how crazy that was for him. George's been on the job less than a month, and that happens. And outside of that first George, Carl, San Antonio, Vlade, Divac get-together where no one really knew what Vlade was doing, another thing that jumped out was when George discussed the free agency deal in, at Summer League in Vegas when they brought all the free agents and he didn't even know they were doing that. Because there was another scene, I believe it was from the summer before, you know, his first Summer League, and... Actually, it was that summer, because he only had one summer league with them. But uh, <laughs> he's sitting in the gym, George Carl sitting in the gym, one of his assistant coaches. And Michael Malone walks in. Do you know, like, DeMarcus, and maybe DeMarcus wasn't in there, but, like, all the King staffers who were there ran to go say hi to Malone and just didn't even say anything to George? And I said, then there, there was that, yeah, and then there was that that summer league game where, the entire staff is sitting with DeMarcus and no one's sitting with George. I said, oh, it's going to be a long season. Let me ask you this, Jason, about the the scenario that um, Vance talked about after the Spurs game. And DeMarcus goes off and whatever the case may be. And I'm not absolving DeMarcus. He was wrong for that. Probably should have been suspended at least a game or something like that. But at the same time, what he said seems like something George Carl that's not the first time somebody has said that about George Carl even before the Kings <laughs> you know what I'm saying and it sounds like the Marcus literally said what everybody else was feeling or what everybody else was thinking especially in this King situation because I I think a lot of people and you, you have talked to some of the players so maybe you can tell me if this is accurate but a lot of people thought him coming to Sacramento was literally just to get more wins to build his Hall of Fame resume you know what I mean? And to kind of come as some kind of savior to uh, to the city of Sacramento and the Kings organization. And it and it never felt like it was about like, hey, I like DeMarcus Cousins. I want to see him get better as a player and stuff like that. Is that kind of the vibe that that was floating around at the time? Like what, what, that what was, was part of that? it? Yeah, but it wasn't just that. It, uh, I'll start with I mean, one thing I think people missed from that whole season and plus of George Carl was that it wasn't just George and DeMarcus. A lot of the players had a problem with George just because George's style is George. And, and I talked to other people who had been around him in Seattle in terms of players or whatever. They said, you're going to bump heads with George for a good two, you know, year or two. It's going to happen, but you got to, you know, get through those patches. And I mean, in terms of basketball, George knows what he's talking about. DeMarcus will tell you to this day, George made him a better player. You know, so, I mean, when it comes to basketball, George knows the stuff. But uh, the groundwork was just laid poorly from the start. Remember, that season you'd fired Michael Malone, you'd hired Ty Corbin, and the team absolutely just could give a damn after that and played like it. And then when you bring in George, remember the, there was a whole backdrop of the whole negotiation that the reason why the team could not hire George immediately was because DeMarcus and his agent didn't like him. And it's true. Fagan and Jaron, the late Dan Fagan and Jaron O'Connor were, did not like George Carl. But here's where it put DeMarcus in a weird spot. You had just fired the coach he liked. And now you're, it's leaking out. You can't hire someone because he doesn't like him. Now how crazy that sounds. You know, it's like, yeah, we fired the coach you like, and we didn't listen to you. And so that's why the whole idea that he ran the franchise is kind of funny. Because the one decision he absolutely would not have made, they made. And so I thought the George Carl DeMarcus thing was, in, or just in the Kings in general, was doomed from the start. 
it, it was doomed from the start. And you know, it's kind of George kind of took you through the season after the San Antonio game, and and I said at the time too, because I remember I had gotten word that George wanted to suspend Demarcus, and Vlade said no. So I texted George about it. He replied, no comment. And the funny part about that story was, I guess he didn't have my number saved, and I have a Bay Area phone number. So he replies, is this Spears? I'm like, wow. Wow. I'm breaking news, because no one had the suspension part before I did. But is this Spears? I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but I always tell people about covering George. It was kind of like covering your, it was like covering your grandpa. You know, some days he was going to be more energy, be in a better mood than others. I don't think George is a bad person, per se. I mean, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think that that was never going to work. You know, and as he kind of detailed in the podcast, there was a clear disconnect. And I'd heard that from other people around the league where they were saying, you know, you just signed Darren Collison a year. Well, actually, Pete DeLisandro signed Darren Collison. They had let I mean, they had, they, had, they had traded I you know it a year before nothing basically, you know he says in the podcast he wanted Ish Smith he's like you know Darren is okay but I need another guy who can play the way we want to play, Vlade wanted Rondo, Rondo led the league in assists he was getting triple doubles but that was that was not exactly how that is not what George would have envisioned for the team, and another part that George is right about too was the lack of talent. You know, I, I, when he ran down the talent, he liked. He said you had Cuz, you had Rudy, you had Omri Caspi, you had Darren Collison. That's four players he named. And, you know, he said we really needed to build that roster out. And he said he, he, should, have never, he should have never made the anyone can be traded comment. Because, I mean, anyone who had been around the team knew Cuz was not going to like that. You know, and then the team was telling Cuz we're never going to trade you. Of course, they traded him a year later. After they fired George, they traded him anyway. So, I mean, <laughs> it just kind of speaks to, like he said, the consistency, the lack of connection. I mean, when it came to all of that, there's nothing he said that wasn't wrong. Unless there's stuff, you know, I mean, if I was going to add stuff, it'd be stuff being petty. Like, I know a lot of the, you know, but the with Vance Wahlberg getting fired. Yeah, he was kind of the sacrifice because they couldn't, they didn't fire George, which is, and he said the reason is true. They didn't want to pay him. And the minority of the owners had said, if you fire him, you got to pay him, Vivek. So that is true. That's why George didn't get fired. That's why Vance was sacrificed. And also, players didn't, a lot of players didn't like Vance either. For whatever reason, they didn't like How about Vance's like uh, drive-by on the way out? Why didn't you fire Nancy? Jeez, what's going on? Is that, oh, oh, uh, <laughs> that drive-by. Basically, on that staff, Nancy was known as the most divisive person on the staff. Oof. And yeah, yeah, there was a lot of people who didn't like Nancy and they felt like Nancy was only there to stab George in the back. So then when George got fired, she could take over and be the first uh, woman's head coach in the, in the NBA. The other coaches didn't trust her. They felt like she sowed division between George and DeMarcus that like she her, and, and her efforts to like get on DeMarcus's good side. She basically took a dump on the other coaches. So yeah, there was you know so uh, there that were the yeah so yeah that that's what that that drive by was for. Those guys did not like Nancy. So yeah, and it, it, remember, I don't know if you probably weren't there, but there was the game where they played the Spurs, and you know Becky Hammond is there, so they sit by each other in the big photo op. And there were people who felt like Nancy was there because Vivek wanted to have a female coach. I, this this is not me saying it; it's fact. What people told me they felt. George was a big fan of Nancy, which has made it so weird. That they would have, you know, this whole idea, but they really believe that Nancy was out to get them. And I get why you didn't fire Nancy. It looks crazy. You're like, I'm, I'm going to fire the only uh, woman on staff who, at that point, there had not been anybody complaining about her publicly. You, you run into those guys over the years and they tell you more stories. One story they told me was that they didn't want to tell her when coaches' meetings were because they didn't want her running to the players reporting what they had said about the players. Oh, man. Okay. Oh yeah, it was it was okay. it, it was it was team dysfunction. I've written that was a wasted year of Demarcus's career. Yeah, he made the All Star team, you know, but you wasted a good prime year of Rudy Gay. You know, it's just a, you know Darren Collison. You, you wasted a year for those guys because all the infighting and the bickering that night in Cleveland, which was insane. 
oh god that was that the night in cleveland where demarcus would only talk to me and then rondo talked to me about how they had voluntary practices and then the players were tweeting at me because they didn't like what rondo said <laughs> and if we got time i can i, I got a great we got time story Jason. break it okay. down man we got time okay mind you okay yeah uh, uh, go out there Cleveland basically gets their cardio in on the Kings. It's laughable. I'm like, why am I here? If it wasn't for seeing LeBron and my family living in Ohio, I would not want to be here. And so after the game, PR lets me know that, hey, DeMarcus says he's only talking to you. Nobody else. I'm like, I'm with it. And then after I'm done talking to DeMarcus, Rondo like motions for me to come over. And Rondo just lays into about, remind you at this point, they were still kind of in the playoff hunt. It's early February. They're maybe two games out of eight. So they're still in it after starting off one and six. That's the crazy thing about that, not to cut you off, that, that whole George Carl experience. There was a point in like late January where they were in the eighth spot. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and so that's what makes it so crazy. And so Rondo tells him, he's, and I'm hearing George getting fired. George getting fired. And so I tweet one of Rondo's quotes, and the Karam Butler responds to me and says, not true, in terms of who's going to practice. And I'm like, Karam, dude, this ain't me. This is what Rondo said. And then Quincy AC hit me up. So I go to practice. So it, it was a second of a back-to-back. So they have an off day. I stayed in Cleveland because my family was out there. I left Cleveland uh, that the following night. I go to shoot around in Philadelphia right before the break. And I walk in and somebody, one of the coaches at Tech, we said, you know, Cubs is not going to be happy with this because it went from George is getting fired to George is not getting fired all within less than in about 12, 14 hours. It, at one point, it was certain that George was gone. Then he wasn't gone. I walk in, Cubs gives me a look like, oh, man, you're going to believe this. And so I walk over and I think Quincy AC says, hey, Jay, we got to talk. And Rondo goes, why do you want to talk to Jay? Why you want to persecute the black man? He didn't do what I said it. <laughs> he said, you'd be mad. Somebody be mad at me. He said, and then Rondo goes, what's wrong, man? You want Jason to know you were at practice? He goes, Jay, they were all at voluntary practice. Wow. That, yeah, I, I, I had some interesting times with George. There were times where me and George weren't buddy buddy. There were times we had great conversations. But I did learn a lot about basketball from George. I will say that I learned a lot about basketball. He could teach the game. And I would just sit and listen to him talk. I mean, if I could just sit and listen to him talk basketball, great job. You know, the, just the personalities between him and the players and him in the front office. And not all of it was George's fault. You know, you can't hire a new GM and not tell him. And then the GM you hire is bringing in players who don't fit what he wants to do. Because remember, they want to play fast. They're signing, you know, centers. And they're drafting a center. You want to play fast, you bring in Costa Kufus and Willie Cauley-Stein. And George's thing was he wanted to trade down and get a player there. And you look at that draft, they could have had Devin Booker at 12, maybe. Because like, George was right. They needed more players. They didn't need another center. The thing that I took out about George about this whole thing, remember, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I came in not feeling George Carl at all. And I feel him a little bit more now after listening to that. Um, I, I look at him, like you said, a great basketball mind. You know, he's, he knows more basketball than I've probably ever forgotten. But I don't know how he is with relationships and with people. You know what I'm saying? And especially people that, I don't want to say challenge him, but maybe that's it. You know what I mean? Because this isn't a DeMarcus Cousins thing. Like, every stop he was at, he's left some type of relationship with one of the top players in the, in the, in the dust on the way out, right? You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like it was magnified when he was in Sacramento because it really it really seemed like he was he came to Sacramento, small city, hasn't won anything, and I'm George Carl going to the Hall of Fame. I'm coming in as a savior, and everything that happens, they need to listen to me, period. You know what I mean? I'm the boss. They need to listen to me. DeMarcus Cousins, you haven't won more than 30 games. You need to listen to me, and that's the way it's going to be. Instead of building that relationship. And on top of that, George, it seemed like he was oblivious to the reputation that preceded him. You know what I'm saying? So like he has this <laughs> reputation coming into that locker room 
And people are already looking at him with the, you know, how I like to say the Yvette side eye, you know, out of baby boy, looking at her like she looked at Rodney. And they're looking at Carl as he comes to the locker room like that. And he's just like, oh, every, I'm George Carl. Everything's good. You should listen to me. Nah, you kind of got to, you got to, you got to do some damage control to the reputation that you had coming in that locker room. And I felt like he, he failed to do that. To me, there's two reasons why that reputation, that relationship was never going to work. One, they had fired Malone. Those guys were loyal to Malone. Nobody following Malone was going to stand a chance unless you brought in Phil Jackson or you brought in Popovich. You weren't going to stand a chance. And the way Malone got fired was shady. It was wrong. And the players did not forgive the organization for it. And even that, that when George had his, first, his full year, I think I even wrote at one point, they were so miserable, they'd rather lose and miss the playoffs <laughs> than spend more time with George. And then what made that so crazy was, remember, I always remember the end of that season, they needed to try to lose to keep their draft pick. Remember, it was, it was that whole situation. If it was out of the top 10, it was going to Boston. The story was related to me was that when they got on the plane, because the last two games were Denver and Houston. They get on the they go to, the, to, go to uh, Denver. No one tells George that DeMarcus and Rondo aren't going. No one tells him, but they've been given clearance not to make the trip. Then after that, they get to Houston. So Rudy, and remember, they, they go out there and they beat, they beat the Nuggets that night, that night with Collison and all those guys, Rudy. I remember that. that. Those guys yeah. are like, hold up, why do we have to play? <laughs> so by the end of that trip, I remember it was Kobe's last game. I was just trying to get back to the hotel and watch that. The Kings, I think, had six players, and then Eric Moreland sprained his ankle. Yeah. So that might have left got, him at six, I think. They got bludgeoned by the way. Because remember, remember, the the, the, the uh, Jazz needed the Rockets to lose yeah. to make yeah. the playoffs. And, and the Rockets, then they went the by Kings, like 35. <laughs> yeah, and the Kings literally put the worst possible lineup they could on the court. They might as well have played me that night. <laughs> it was Duye Dukin out there. Oh, and jeez. I mean, Jeez. they might as well have let Big me live because they, they were there was no way in the world they were going to win that game. Uh, so yeah, I mean that was how George's time time ended, and it was awkward because I had written the story that he was getting fired before that game. So yeah. we're at shoot around. George is looking at me. I'm looking at George, and we're like, we both know what's going to happen. <laughs> and as he said in the pod, he knew he was getting fired for months. So it wasn't like it was a shock, but it was just still like this un, this weird awkwardness because everyone's looking at us like. You guys got anything to say? I'm like, no, we both know what it is. And everything George said was true. The Kings needed stability. They needed to stick with a plan. And maybe Luke will be the guy who gets the chance to stick it out. Right, right. See, that's what I took out of it, too, is like, you know, took me back to the time when everybody was like, fire Luke, fire Vladi. I know people say Vladi's been here seven years or whatever. His time is up. But that goes into kind of what George and Vance were talking about. There needs to be a marriage and they need to stick with the marriage for better or for worse for some time right right now the marriage is vladi and luke whether you guys think it's the right one the wrong one they need to stick with that marriage and see what happens with that like the answer isn't oh he's got one more year to prove himself like nah like i don't think it needs to be that drastic personally i think they should get two three years to see if this works and if it doesn't work you move on but that was the thing that kept coming up in that podcast was they needed leadership and they needed stability and you don't get that by firing coaches firing GMs. you can't change i mean i used to cover the raiders and i had about four head coaches like in three yeah you, you can't you don't win without stability i think i've had eight coaches with the kings i think i've had eight seven or eight let me see that's crazy and i got there it was kenny nat i had then i had paul westfall keith smart malone corbin Jaeger, Luke, seven, and the uh, seven and eleven. Wow. So <laughs> that's a crit. Come on, man. You can't do that. You cannot. Hell, do I had that. three. Like, I had I had three before the All Star break. One in Georgia's for I had three before the All Star break. Come on, man. And and like I, I, I said, like Malone, even even Corbin, if it's even if it's the wrong one, like you just you gotta just stick with it for a little bit and hope he grows into the position or something. You can't just. I'm not a believer in that. Just not really giving people the opportunity. I, and, and in your opinion, Jason, real quick, I know we're running late on time, but in your opinion, do you feel like the organization has grown from that time that George Carl was there? I do. I think 
Gotta remember when Vla- that was Vlade was basically a neophyte GM. You know, that's when that whole Philadelphia trade got made. You know, a trade that I'm pretty sure Vlade would not make that trade again. <laughs> you know, there was just there was just there was just so many things. You know, he made mistakes that he would admit he made, not knowing. You know, I think if, in retrospect, he would have gone ahead and just fired George anyway, just because it he could have saved that season. Maybe they get into the playoffs. Maybe that changes the, the course of the franchise. You know, imagine how much hungrier DeMarcus. I mean, like even like, even how George said, DeMarcus wants to be good. DeMarcus is not uh, does not have bad work ethic. It was always a personality attitude thing. When it was never about him not wanting to be good. But imagine how he would have come back if he had tasted the playoffs. You know, it may you get in and you get killed by the Warriors or whatever. Okay, whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, you get in and you experience that, what that does for some of those young guys. Like someone pointed out, what does that do for a Ben McLemore? What does that do for guys like that? Because I remember Rudy always say, this is crazy to us. Imagine it being a first or a second year player seeing all this. Right. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, but I think I think that I think now for better or worse, whether you like Luke or not, if you like Vladi or not, they're joined at the hip. You know, that's his coach. They know each other. They share the same vision. They're in communication. I think they finally got a chance. So I'm willing to ride it out. And then who knows, maybe they'll get a chance to go to Orlando and, you know, make the playoffs. I I think they're going to go to play. And that goes, that kind of goes to, and this will be the last thing we'll touch on and we get out, but what you had just talked about as far as getting a little bit of a taste. So even if they don't officially make the playoffs, I think it's a really good thing and really important for those young guys, Specifically, a deer and fox. Fox is the the straw that stirs the drink, in my opinion. For him to get the reps of having them bright lights on him, and if they're able to go to Orlando and say they have a twenty team, you know, league or whatever in Orlando, and then a play in tournament or whatever the case may be, technically the Kings aren't make wouldn't have made the playoffs if they you know lose in the play in tournament or whatever the case may be but to be under that type of spotlight having the the nation and the world watching you and getting those reps in right now i think that's something that's invaluable for somebody like De'Aaron fox it's really important for the kings to get into this orlando thing and have all eyes on him and have that experience now so hopefully that'll make him better and hungrier for a possible playoff berth either this year or you know next year moving forward whatever the case may be but get that reps get that experience now i think it's big None of the core guys in this group outside of Harrison Barnes has played meaningful NBA games late in the season. You know, Fox hasn't, Buddy hasn't, Bogey hasn't, well, Marvin hasn't, you know. And so, I mean, there's this, to me, it's necessary that if they get over there to, to, to feel that pressure and get, and get what they can out of it. So we'll see. We expect something to come from the league this week explaining what's going to happen. I think this is also part of the league's plan to try to get New Orleans in. I, I kind of feel bad for Memphis. Oh, to be honest. No. look, I'm gonna tell you this, sure. Jason. We talk about we talk about the Kings or whatever the case may be. If the Pelicans were three games out and the Kings were three and a half games out, the line would stop at the Pelicans. Okay, the only yeah. reason the Kings oh, yeah. are, are in there is because they got the same record as the Pelicans. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Like I even wrote last week, the Kings earned this though. They earned. They it. did. They did. They earned. They, played, they earned. They, they earned. They earned the, the right to be games, in the conversation. In the last ten games before the stoppage, they were like, "What? Well, like the fifth best record in the league?" You know, in, in yeah. the final ten games or ten, twelve games or something like that. They're playing really good basketball. They clawed them where themselves back from. What were they down? Like six, seven games at the All Star break. Eight. They were like eight, weren't they? Oh, wow. Eight. Uh, either right before the break, they were at eight. Right before the break, they were eight out. So I mean. You know, however the league decides to do it, like I've said, they earned the right to be in the conversation because of all the teams in the mix for eight, they were playing the best of any team. They were playing better than Memphis overall. They were playing better than New Orleans. They were actually getting healthier and getting better, even without Marvin back. They were playing, you know, De'Aaron was playing as good as, as anyone in that group. As guys have said, they get a chance to start what they finished. Jason, I've had too much today. We're not even going to get into Instagram stories today no 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 i, I <laughs> gotta just, do some not, more research on that I, I i you know i struggle <laughs> to interpret the what 20 something year old people are doing with their social media i never know what it means 
and I'm I'm a big. Let me ask you what that means before I go jump into the conclusions. You know, but yeah, we'll. I'm pretty sure. In the coming I, I, I ain't gonna day, lie to you, though, Jason. Out. I ain't gonna lie to you, and I have I have no dog in this fight. Actually, I love them both, but that was a funny still shot. That was a funny still yeah, shot. Yeah, we're talking about. If you don't know, we're talking about uh, Marvin Bagley Jr., not the son, the father, and uh, De'Aaron Fox's Instagram story. Right, I forget exactly what De'Aaron said, but it wasn't too flattering about Mr. Uh, Bagley, yeah. and or the outfit that Mr. Bagley. Or I'm assuming he was making fun of Mr. Bagley's outfit. <laughs> the man funny. had the chain on. But I, I feel for icy. him because he was icy. Let that I man feel do what he do. We're about the same age. We're about the same age, and you hey. know, I've always said if I ever make money, y'all can laugh at me all you want. I'm buying a chain. What my man say? I'm uh, on Black AF. I need my chain. Yeah, I'm not so even mad that? because, like I said, I'm early 40s. I get some money. I'm for sure going to go buy me a chain. I'm not mad. You know, maybe I'm me, old, but I'm for me, sure Jason, buying me a chain. Me, Jason, and Kenya Burris, we got our chain, period. Everybody everybody see yeah. me. They know I like my jewelry. You know what I'm saying? They, they know yeah, I like my yeah. jewelry, so I ain't, I ain't judging. I really ain't worn it since March. I mean, I got all this stuff from the Nike store in Portland. I ain't worn like, pointless because no one's going to see it, but... <laughs> Keep yeah, it in the chamber, so man. Keep I, it in the chamber for when we get yeah, out. Yeah, so I guess we can hit on all that maybe in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll have more clarity on Marvin Bagley Jr. and De'Aaron Fox. I don't think. Hopefully, the there's nothing need... to hit on. That's yeah, the... hopefully, hopefully, hopefully De'Aaron will be tweeting on. at some point. Ha 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 ha. We don't need any parent-child beef. <laughs> you know, we don't. We already had uh, uh, Bagley Jr. calling Dave Yeager Dave Yogurt after he called Marvin Bagley <laughs> Marvin Gay. In Detroit last season. Wait, oh. <laughs> oh, you don't remember that when he no. was calling Dave Yeager Dave Yogurt? Because he the called Marvin because of he called Marvin. Is hilarious. He called him Marvin because <laughs> he called him Marvin Gay, and I was like, "We are in Detroit. I can kind of get how he might have said that, but Pops wasn't having it. He was like Dave Yogurt, and I was oh, like, this has got to goodness. be the funniest thing ever. That's why I laugh at that report that Vlade didn't draft Luca because he was worried about his dad. I'm like, but he took Marvin. <laughs> Marvin's dad ain't quiet. And I think all in all, most dads don't don't mean any harm. I don't think Marvin Bagley's dad is gonna is a is a problem by any stretch. I just find it all funny. I find it funny that you know he's doing a lot of us our dads would have done, but our dads didn't have Instagram with thousands of followers to be like, yeah. Yeah, you're going to play my son. That's it. Simple as that. That's what it is. Yeah. We will see everybody out there all across the country. Be safe. All right? Please be safe. safe All my people out there, be safe. And And, and for our friend on the radio, Black Lives Matter. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Save for the people in the back. (laughs) I'll I'll let him say it again since he understands. (laughs) Um, let me let me stop. You know, God ain't through with me yet, yo. I'm sorry. But, uh, <laughs> y'all be safe out there. Y'all be good, you know, man. be safe. Whether it be COVID nineteen, protesting, be safe. You know, I don't want to see my people get hurt. So y'all be good out there. Real talk, real talk. We we got some stuff coming on the way, so y'all just keep your ears peeled, keep your eyes peeled. We got some stuff coming for you. But in the meantime, we're out of here, man. All right, we gone. <laughs>